It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seat Studios. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter. At play like a jet one, and this is XNO Quick Hit. So for that, we are joined as always by the host of our great film show, TOJ Film Room, over at our YouTube channel, Turn On the Jets TV. Mr. Joe Blewett, Joe, what's going on, sir? Uh, waiting. I'm definitely ready to to watch new film, and you know, I've watched the Jet season like a thousand times already. So I'm I'm definitely ready to get some some new uh new tape out there and to break that down, and then the season to start uh. I have a lot of Giants fans talking crap to me, like I said, and I've said before on this show that I have a $500 bet that the Jets will win seven or more games. That's what I need at the minimum. So I'm excited to uh, for the season to get rolling for sure. We're all we're all starving for football at this point. When you said waiting, immediately in my head was the video of waiting for tonight with J Lo. Not because of the music, but I love watching J Lo dance. So thank you for creating that visual in my head. I appreciate it. Well, it's not time for that, Scott. We're doing a podcast, so uh, <laughs> uh, you, need to, you need to reserve. You need to reserve yourself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about J Lo later, but for now, let's talk about what we came here for, which is the Jets' offensive line. And you looked at all of the 2018 film for these guys. We'll go one by one. We'll talk strengths, weaknesses, how they're going to fit in with Frank Pollock's new offensive line schemes. And we will start with Kelvin Beecham. What did you see from him that you liked in 20? Yeah, this is the only guy that I didn't necessarily do a review on, but I've still obviously um, watched him play. Um, he's a player who uh, I, I'm not comparing him to to Brick in terms of their overall talent, but it was similar to Brick in, in a way that he's physically limited but technically sound. So he takes he t- he, he squares up guys well. Um, he knows when to shoot his hands. He knows when to be aggressive, when not to be aggressive. He's on the, if he's on the backside versus three tech, you know he's not going to try to to cut them. He'll try to um, you know use different <clears throat> different techniques to to block them. I'm blanking on the name of of the one technique right now because uh, that's what happens when you jam a ton of film and a ton of concepts into your head. You forget some stuff at times. Um, but he's a technically sound player. Um, who is just physically physically limited. So in the pass game, he's he's okay. Um, in the run game, he really offers very little, in, in my opinion. Um, so he's he's definitely a concern. But in terms of the stuff I liked, it, it was his technique when knowing when to shoot his hands, hand placement, uh, staying under um, his his pads, knowing how to cover gaps, um, knowing what blocks lay on certain players' footwork. There's definitely a bunch of positives in terms of technique with with Kelvin and Beecham, um, but like I said, the, the physical part of his game is definitely where he struggles. So you would say his lack of elite athletic traits is a big part of what holds back his overall pass coverage, which you otherwise categorize as okay. 
Yeah, it's 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 the height, it's the strength, it's the arm length where you're gonna see Beecham um you know, a decent amount in, in pass coverage, get long armed where lo- one arm is always longer than two, but that especially applies to a guy in Kelvin Beecham who already has short arms. So if a guy knows how to use that long arm, it's really, really hard for a guy in Kelvin Beecham to, to beat that if it lands because um, his arms are so short and he's not a powerful guy. So you need to be super powerful to, to be able to anchor down versus a guy who's controlling your chest. Um, and he's already not a strong guy with short arms, which is not good for offensive linemen. So when he does get beat, um, in the past game, it's it's because of of his length and, and that strength. So guys frequently lay or rely on bull rushes against him um, because he just doesn't, like I said, have that length or power to combat it. So um, he might be decent in pass coverage, but I, I think that's almost a little bit of a stretch. I would say he's a little bit below average. So um, he he's definitely a, a concern for me. I'm not I'm not as high on Kelvin Beecham as some other you know fans are. You said that he doesn't offer much in the run game. What is it about what he does in the run game that yields such poor results? It's the same thing. And of course, now I remember a slingshot technique, what I was talking about versus a three tech if he's trying to cut him off. But uh, that always happens. So, um, yeah, it's it's the same. It's the same type of thing. It's the it's the physicality. If you can't if you can't kick guys out, if you can't help to find gaps, it's going to be hard to run to that side. So, um, and frequently you're going to see him because of that that length that la- lack of arm length. There's guys on defensive line who have freakly uh, freakish long arms, like you know guys like Chandler Jones or Clowney or JJ Watt or whoever you're blocking. Who um, you're going to see them splash his chest or get splashed, as people say, as referred to, where basically they're just letting guys get into you first and control that chest. So um, the lack of length definitely hurts in, in the run game. Um, length is one of the first things you look at with offensive linemen. He does not have it. Um, and then you pair that with the with the lack of strength, which even if he does control guys' chest, he's not really able to, to define gaps or kick guys out or move them on the second level where you're going to see him, even if he does have good technique and he, and he takes the lead step or proper footwork uh gets his hip squares covers gaps on guys and gets his hands inside perfectly um he doesn't really move them he kind of just stands them up so running backs he forces running backs to make decisions early because if you if you kick a guy out you know you can keep flowing with, with that and then you have you could cut that b gap or that or that c gap if he's moving a guy but the problem with him is he doesn't stand guys up, so he's forcing running backs in those zone looks to to commit to the B gap or C gap much earlier than they want to. Um, like I said, even if he does have that good technique, so uh, his run blocking is definitely it's not anything that he could do. He can't grow longer arms, and he can't get taller, and he can't really get too much stronger because of his frame. So uh, he's definitely limited in the in the run game. Um, and he is, he's a concern. I think, I think this is his last year with the Jets, to be completely honest. Um, maybe they bring him back. That's, that'd only be because of a lack of, of, uh, I guess, like resources. They can't get a guy in free agency. They can't draft a guy. Maybe they bring him back, but I don't see him being a, a top priority because I don't think he offers very much, um, in that run game, especially, like I said, uh, there's zones, even powers. If he's trying to kick out a defensive end, um, it's not going to work out very well where, you know, typically you're going to see, you know, him, uh, let's just say a power kick out a, a, a seven tech or a five tech or, you know, a wide five. Um, and then they're going to try to attack that B gap with that pulling guard. And uh, it just doesn't happen very frequently with him where that, that B gap is now going to be shortened and more condensed. And it's harder for both the puller, whether that be, you know, Brian Winters coming from the opposite side or, 
or you know Eric Tomlinson or Trayvon Wesco, that that gap is skinnier, which both makes it harder on the puller and it makes it harder on the running back, obviously, because now you know the puller is going to take on somebody in that gap, and now there's even less room for the running back. So now the running back is going to have a really skinny gap to to get through. So he's a really small window. So um, it's it's the the run game is definitely a a big concern, and it's not poor technique. It's just who he is in terms of his body composition. Well, Joe, it sounds like you don't think Kelvin Beecham is a franchise left tackle, the type of player that people would pay money to see, although I don't know how many people pay money to see an offensive lineman. But if you did, you'd want to make sure that you're paying the least amount possible when you're going to MetLife Stadium. And that's why you want to buy all your game tickets at Vivid Seats. And if you use their mobile app and the promo code OVERTIME, you could save up to 100 bucks on all ticket purchases, but only when you're a first-time customer. So, Joe, when it comes to Kelvin Beecham, how do you see him fitting into Frank Pollock's system, and what do you expect from him overall? You think that he could be a league average tackle? No, I don't. I I I don't at this point. Uh, he's getting a little bit older. Um, I think he he could be average in the in the in the pass game, but the run game. Let's say even if he is average in that in that pass game, the run game, he's just never going to be a above average guy in, in my opinion because of fit, because of the physical limitations that he has. So. Um, but with that, I think that Frank Pollock's system is probably the best system for him. Um, and we have to see if he's going to do more inside zone, more outside zone. Um, I think the more you you ask Kelvin Beecham to move, I think the better. Uh, inside zone's a little bit more moving guys out of gaps. Where Outside zone is a little bit more just getting in front of guys, uh, reaching guys, having more athleticism. So we have to see which one he does more, but regardless zone is more is more about athleticism than a, than a you know power counter uh iso type runs so it fits him because it, it asks him to move more instead of relying on uh a lot of power so he's definitely a, a, a that's the best fit for him the system but like i said it's also not great as as well for the running backs because if he can't kick a guy out and he and he can't move a guy in zone they have to commit to gaps early and that's that's not a good thing so it's the best system for him but i, I don't think there's really um anything with the the run game that he's going to be necessarily a, a plus in but um i guess the zone scheme is is going to kind of uh, be a little bit of damage control Hey guys, as we get older, there are things that unfortunately we're just not going to be able to control. One of them, sad to say, is hair loss. In fact, two out of three men will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the age of 35. It can be a little depressing until you remember that Keeps exists. What's Keeps? Simple. They're a company that offers proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss. You don't have to make an appointment or go to the doctor, not with Keeps. You visit a doctor online and have your medication delivered right to you. They're up to 90% effective at reducing and stopping future hair loss. In fact, lots of guys even experience hair regrowth with the treatment. Log on to Keeps.com and click to get started. Choose the plan that fits you or let Keeps doctors decide. Sound good? I got a special offer for you. Go to Keeps.com slash overtime and receive your first month of treatment free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash overtime. And take advantage of this incredible offer today. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Kelvin Beecham will be the starting left tackle for the Jets in 2019. Their starting right tackle will be Brandon Shell. What did you like about Brandon Shell's 2018 film after you reviewed it? 
Not much. Um, I'm going to be honest, and it sounds like I'm being negative about the Jets' offensive line, but the film does not lie. Um, I was lower on Beecham and Shell after watching the film again. I was higher on the interior of the off the Jets' offensive line. It's it's kind of funny because you're going from the opposite side of the line and almost to an opposite player where Shell is a guy who has the power, he has the arm length, he has the height, but he doesn't have the technique. So it's it, they're, they're complete opposites. It's 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 kind of weird. Um how opposite they are. So like I said, he has all those traits, but his technique is just awful um, in terms of letting guys get under his pad, his pads, his footwork um, opening up immediately in, in his kick slide, instead of keeping his hips square to the line of scrimmage in terms of picking up stunts and, you know, carrying the, the, the penetrator too far, not being able to get it on a looper or not, not carrying the penetrator um, as far as he should, and then letting him just split that B gap instead of you know giving it enough time where Winters can pick it up, um, whatever it may be, his technique is is not good um, overall, and it's actually his his technique and his poor technique is one of the reasons I discovered the guy who the Jets signed in James Burgess Jr. who uh, he actually he actually got trucked by he he pulls on like a I think it was a pin and pull. Um, and he's trying to get to the outside, and James Burgess is there, who's like 225 pounds, and Shell is is what almost 300, 295, and he gets trucked over by a guy he has 80 pounds on because he's playing so high um, as he's coming into the block. So he is the exact opposite of Beach and everything I just talked about. When I watch Brandon Shell, I see that he has a lot of trouble getting pushed in the running game, and I know that you said that Kelvin Beecham doesn't offer much in the running game, but to me. Brandon Shell offers even less. Do you think that's fair? It, yeah, it's 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 a kind of like a snap by snap basis. Um, Shell is good at like getting to the second level. He is um, he he definitely moves that, and that's a positive of him. Like I said, he has the athleticism, he has the power. So those those infrequent snaps where he has good technique, it looks pretty damn good at times. But it's just it's just so far or, or so few and far between. Um, that you that he can't be a plus in the run game, and you can't look at him as a plus in the run game. They're hoping like a guy in Frank Pollock, who we've talked about before, is widely considered one of the best offensive line coaches in the NFL. Hopefully, he can string his his uh, good plays um, more consistently than they have been um, in the last couple of years. And it was funny; I was actually Michael Nania. He watches the film reviews. He'll, he'll like ask me questions, or we'll talk about it, whatever, discuss it. And we were watching one Jets drive. That I think it was the first episode. Or we were not watching. We watched separately. It's not like I went to Nani's house and did, you know had popcorn and watched <laughs> one Jets drive with them. But he brought it up that in one of the plays of of Adam Gase, like that whole opening monologue type thing where he was talking about Sam Darnold's uh, you know film. And there was a play of him in practice. I think it was the play where Sam Darnold. They're saying, "Oh, his feet are planted. His hips are pointing the wrong way, but he's still able to sling it to the opposite side." That whole thing. Um, which, by the way, we've brought up a ton on TOJ Film Room. If nobody's checked it out, um, and and it was one of the plays, and 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 automatically we noticed that uh, Brandon Shell had bad technique yet again. So I don't know if much is changing right now. Um, that was in the pass game, but yeah, in the run game, he's good at. You know, he he has he has length. Um, he could get to the second level. He has power if he gets under if he gets under guys' uh, shoulder pads, but you have to have good technique first and foremost. There's been plenty of guys who are, are big and strong and powerful, you know, <clears throat> Vernon Golston in the NFL, but if you don't string that together with technique, it doesn't really matter much because everybody's strong, but some guys are a little bit stronger than other guys. So if you pair that with good technique, you can move them. Um, but no, he's, he's, not a, he's not a positive um, in, the, in the run game, whether it be bad angles, letting guys get under his pads, 
you know, et cetera. There's definitely some negatives and he's one guy that I'm, I'm not afraid to put up his review, but I'm sure when I do, there'll be people who are Jets, Jets fans on Twitter who all say 99 positive things about a guy. And then the hundredth thing, Oh, you're a hater. You know, if it's negative, but uh Brandon Shell's film is not going to be pretty when I put that up or do the show on it. So is there anything he can realistically do at this point to elevate his play? Or do you think he's probably stuck right about where he is? No, he's a he's a guy who you know I I think it's it's not it's not that he that he can't I think his his technique was so bad that I'm not sure it's necessarily fixable in one season but he's not a guy like Kelvin Beecham who already has good technique so there's not really much you can do with him because of his physical limitations you can you can maybe shell um, because he's with a guy like Pollock can can start to improve his technique so there's there's a lot he could do actually uh, technique is is fixable. Um, to a certain extent, but if your technique is, is completely shot, you know, it, can you fix it? I'm not 100% sure. That's that's based on how he's coached, um, how he takes the coaching. You know, can you do it in practice when you're playing guys, you know, who you're, who you're um, going against every day and you're in a more of a comfortable environment? How are you going to perform on Sundays at 1 o'clock or night games, you know, um, where you're, it's more of reacting and not um, thinking about the techniques? So can he fix it? For sure. Um Will he fix it? That is a completely different question, how he reacts to coaching, how he takes that coaching, if he applies it during game day. Because like I said, it's easy to practice it. It's not easy to, to, to do it in a game when you're when you're facing, you know, a guy like Cameron Wake in the past or JJ Watt or whoever the Jets are gonna play this year with, you know, on the Jaguars or you know, Calais Campbell or Jerry Hughes or whoever he's blocking, you know. So definitely uh he has a chance, but um how much we don't really know. Since you said that there is room for growth there and Frank Pollock is coming in, what do you anticipate Frank Pollock trying to do with him? And do you think that he has a chance to win himself a second contract with the Jets? Because much like Beecham, this is the final year of his contract. Do you think he could make a case for himself to return in 2020? Uh, yeah, and that's what I just said before. With it, it's all based on on his technique, and if he fixes up his technique and he and he takes steps in the right direction, um, then yeah, sure. But it's all that's that's a, it's a tough question because you know, do they look to you know re-sign him and then an unexpected right tackle becomes available in free agency where the Jets say screw it, you know, we liked Beach or we liked Shell in the direction he was taking, but there's a guy who's a better player than him already and is young in free agency. Do they sign him and get rid of get rid of Shell or do they? You know, do they look to sign Shell? But then they're in the dra- they're they're in the draft rooms. And they see a bunch of good right tackles coming out of college. So they decide to, you know, just let him go. Or do they see a guy in free? Uh, you know, in the trade market? So it's a really hard question. That paired with does he what what steps does he take this year? Because as of right now, if he plays like he did in 2018 and he carries that much more of the same technique and some of the issues he had in 2019, uh, will he be resigned in 2020? I I severely doubt it, especially with a uh, GM and Joe Douglas, who is very offensive line savvy. He knows what he's watching. He's going to see the bad film of, of Shell. I'm sure he's not going to necessarily want him back unless he takes you know major strides in the right direction um, paired with uh, free agency and what happens in the draft and, and trades. Is he going to be back? I'm not sure. If I had to bet on it, I would probably say no because I just don't think a guy with absolutely terrible technique is going to fix it with a good offensive line coach. It's not like the offensive line coaches, you know, it's not like he was coached by, by high school level offensive line coaches and is now going to the NFL, whatever, you know, the offensive line coaches he dealt with before in, in college and the NFL were still, you know, overall good coaches. Um, obviously to get there, you have to be a, a solid coach. So it's not like he's being 
taught peewee technique and then is coming into an NFL with Frank Pollock. So I don't think he's going to take major strides, to be completely honest, even though he does have the athleticism to be a good player. Um, so if I had to bank on it, Shell is, is not a Jet um, after this season. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Joe, a lot of people were nervous about... Jonathan Harrison being the starting center for the Jets in 2019. Those people can take a deep breath because Jonathan Harrison is not going to be the starter. That's going to be Ryan Khalil. We did an entire X and O quick hits on Khalil. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, you can go into our archives. But I wanted to break down Harrison because you did do a film review on him. And it's worth knowing about him because he could be pressed into action at center at some point if Khalil gets hurt. He could be pressed into action at guard at some point if Assembly or Winters get hurt because obviously he has experience there. So talk to me a little bit about what you saw out of Jonathan Harrison and what your thoughts would have been about him as the starting center if he had actually gotten to the point where he was going to be the team's 2019 starting center. Um, He's a guy who is is more of an athletic guy um he's not a powerful guy so he's not like shell where he has the 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 power and the athleticism he's more athletic but he has more of an aggressive mindset where to where shell didn't we didn't really discuss this because there's honestly so many plays that to i'd have to write down a notebook of all the bad plays and all this stuff i, I get it. i have a general feel um i would take more film and showing you guys exactly what i'm talking about but to remember five guys and all their technique and all, well, you know what? Yeah. Shell is a guy who likes to shoot his right hand, but when he shoots his right hand, he doesn't widen out with his, with, uh, with his, with his right foot enough. So guys will beat him around the edge. Like remembering all that stuff on the top of my head is, is quite difficult. Um, so you have to go to more general examples, but um, Harrison is a guy who is more of a just athletic guy, but he's more aggressive as well. So I like that about him. I like aggressive guys where, uh, Beecham might be try to be athletic, but are, are, are aggressive, but he, he can't show because he doesn't have the power. Shell is a guy who is powerful, but he, he's, he's not aggressive. Where you know there will be a guy he'll knock on the ground or he'll trip over, and Shell will kind of just look at him on the ground. Where a guy in Harrison, if he knocks you over, he's going or he's going to jump on you. Um, he does not give up uh, on any play. He's going to run you all the way through the whistle. And we saw it versus the, I think it was the Bears game where he actually he drove somebody to the ground, and then Akeem Hicks was actually on his knees because somebody else got him to the ground. And then 
you know, Harrison wasn't even on Hicks, but Harrison decided to pick up Hicks, even though he was on his knees, drive him into the ground. They got into a mini tussle after the play because, uh, because, uh, Harrison drives through that whistle and he plays through the whistle. So I like how aggressive he is, even though he's not the strongest guy. Um, having that, that aggressive mentality is something you definitely like to see where, you know, if he drops into a pass set, he has nobody to block. He's going to look to his right or to his left for somebody to, to plow or hammer, whatever you want to call it, or basically he's just going to attack the hip of, of a, of a guy who's engaged with another block to assist winters or this season assembly where there's guys who are more passive who, you know, maybe just throw their hand out there, you know, hand check them, make sure it doesn't come inside. Um, Harrison's not that guy. He's going to try to deliver a big blow to you. Um, which is nice to see, and it makes rushers hesitate at times. They, they know that they're facing a guy like Osemley or even a guy like Harrison who's aggressive or even a guy like Winters who's, who's, who's pretty aggressive at times. So I, I definitely like how, how aggressive he is and, and what he offers in terms of athleticism. So um, in terms of his technical stuff, and I know I'll get asked about that, uh, he, di- he does still have some things to work on where there'll be one play where he's pretty solid in terms of his technique. Um, he'll never he's never he's never great with technique, but he's solid enough to to cover his gap um, to get in front of a guy in, in a pass set. Um, but then there, there's the next player where he will not be um, technically sound where he won't cover that gap or he, he won't take the proper footwork in, in his pass set or he'll he'll jump a guy. Um, you know, in a jump set, but lock his tips and, and he'll, he'll, he'll shuffle too far over, you know, laterally to the one tech. So there's, there's some examples of him being not technically sound, but overall, um, I think he can fix it because it's not terrible technique. It's just a little bit inconsistent. Um, and you pair that with a guy who, who has the want to, um, he has that aggressive mentality and he has the necessary athleticism, I think, to, to perform relatively well in the zone system. He's a guy who watching his film, um, I'm not going to say I was much higher on him, like he's a top tier center. Um, but I think this year, it, it, with the help around him, with uh, you know Winters and and Pollock and a guy like Osemele, um and his own system, I think he's a guy who who might be able to prove to be to be an an average type center, which I think would be much more than many Jets fans expect. But I, I do think that's a relatively um, realistic ceiling for. You know, Harrison, um, do I think he'll reach it when I bet all my money on that? I'm not necessarily sure, but I, I think it's a realistic possibility, at least. So you think he'd be a good enough fit, and Pollock is a good enough offensive line coach, and Harrison's aggressiveness would play into this, that it's certainly possible that if the Jets hadn't gotten Ryan Khalil, that Harrison could have been good enough to bridge the gap at least for one year in 2019 before hopefully they would have found a long-term solution in 2020? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely think that's true. Um, and I know he's had like some injury concerns in the past. Uh, I'm not necessarily like privy on how much that has been. I have, I didn't look it up before the show or anything like that. I'm not looking it up now. But if you're talking about like my biggest concerns this year, it's you know Harrison. He is still a concern. Uh, there's a reason he hasn't been a starter, but I just think he has the um, the necessary traits and want to to be able to do it. Um, I'm more concerned about the tackles, uh, to be completely honest. And, you know, can you replace all three guys in the next year or two? Um, I'm not sure if you know, Scott, but what Winters has, I think, another year in his con- – I think it's two more years in his contract. Mm-hmm. So um, you're not going to replace him next year. I think Winters, you're coming back with Winters next year. You're coming back with Shell – or not Shell, uh, sorry, uh, Osamily. You know, uh, next year, so you have the two guards for probably the next at least two years, most likely. So next offseason, can you replace a left tackle, a right tackle, and a center in one offseason? I'm not 100% sure. Um, but if I'm looking next – or just going to next year, I think you could still get Harrison on a relatively cheap deal. I'm going into next year. So, uh, like I said, 
both Beecham and and Shell are bigger concerns for me personally. Um, but if they, you know, if a all star center comes into free agency, uh, but a right tackle doesn't come into to free agency, am I going to say, oh well, no, right tackle is a bigger concern. Don't sign a guy to replace Harrison. No, it all depends on what happens, but. Um, I can see him being being a, a decent center for the Jets. I don't think he's a long term solution, but I'm not as low on him um, as some other people are, and it's 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 all relative to to what happened with him in um, 2018. And people see the Jets' offensive line was bad. You know, okay, Harrison must be bad. He was behind, you know, Long. Um, I don't necessarily know why that was because I thought I thought Harrison was much better than than Long. Um, which doesn't say much, but I'm also not one of the guys who's in the mindset of, oh, well, you know, Sam Donald played well in the last four games. That means Harrison was good because when Harrison started, that has really not much to do with it, to be completely honest. Um, he's not my top concern, but he's still relatively um, concerning because he's not a he's not a average center at this point. He's not a solid center. He's not a, you know, a pro ball center. Um, but I do think, like I said, he could be average. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting to watch him for sure. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Brian Winters and Coletio Semele have years left on their contracts, so they may be here beyond 2019, but neither one of them has any guaranteed money left, so they're going to have to sing for their supper this year, as they say. And Brian Winters has been the longest tenure jet on that offensive line by a lot. He is somebody that has kind of been polarizing among people that watch offensive linemen. Some think he's really good. Some think he's really bad. Mm-hmm. And then there are people, like I believe you have told me before we start recording, that he's not quite as good as some people say, but he's nowhere near as bad as others say. You think it's fair to say that even if Brian Winters isn't necessarily a Pro Bowl-level guard, he's at least a starting caliber guard, and there's nothing to be ashamed of having him in that spot going into 2019? Yeah, he is. he's really polarizing for people who watch film because he's a really interesting case where, and this is why I have like 60-plus plays of him where like other offensive linemen in, in Harrison or Shell or whatever I have like 30 plays on because he's he one he's an aggressive guy I, I like the aggressive mentality that he takes um for the most part where he'll finish a block as a guy like harrison will and if he's not on a block he'll look to help guys out and you know and, and plow guys over which is always a positive um so i like the mentality first off uh, or first and foremost um that's a positive but he's just he does he like not like Harrison or Harrison is his technique is never fantastic. There are some times where, where Winters has really, really good technique where, you know, like a play I just put up of, of him versus JJ Watt, where, you know, he jumps sets JJ Watt, gets his hand into JJ Watt's chest, extends him, shocks JJ Watt back, um, shuffles with him to cover, to cover his gap and stay in front of, um, you know, JJ Watt. And then get, he comes over top of that clamp and he clamps him. Um, so his hands in both really good position as JJ Watt tries to rush, um, you know, uh, up through the B gap, he kind of transitions into a straight arm, um, into more of a bent arm to lift JJ Watt, which is the proper thing to do. So it's like really good technique. Or there are times where, uh, with good technique, where you know he'll let a guy lean into him, or he'll feel a guy leaning into him, and he'll trap that arm. So if you're going to the long arm, 
uh, Brian Winters, which is this is, the, this is definitely one of the best things he does is if you're putting a lot of pressure um, into your hands on a guy like Brian Winters, if he's able to chop you or trap you, where people call it snatch and trap, some people call it traps. Um, I just usually refer to it as a trap because the whole snatch and trap, I think it's more of a trap, but that's that's just technicalities. But if he feels you leaning into his arms, which he'll, he'll allow it sometimes, he'll chop at your elbows to eliminate that contact point. So if you're, you know, let's say you're leaning on a wall, Scott, and 90% of your 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 pressure is on that wall, so it's really holding you up. If I was to chop your elbows down, you're going to face plant to that wall, basically. And that's what Brian Winters does at times. But there's also times where he'll take improper footwork where, you know, like another play I put up against J.J. Watt uh, recently where he shuffles, he gets in front of J.J. Watt, but then for whatever reason, he has really passive hands, and then he opens up his hips right away and, and basically gives J.J. Uh, Watt the, the penetration upfield where if he was to uh, shuffle like he did, shoot his hands uh, much more aggressively um, and stay in front of him and, and continue to shuffle laterally, he would have stayed in front of him and probably got the block, but it was just so confusing about why he opened up his hips or there'll be times where he'll shoot aggressive tight hands. But then the next play, he, he shoots late um, and wide hands. So it's he has really inconsistent technique, but his highs are so high. It's, it's really intriguing where his lows are pretty low. Um, so he's definitely an interesting guy. I don't think he's the biggest concern, but it's just crazy that one play, he'll lock down J.J. Watt and then the next play, he'll get blown up by a, a nobody D tackle because of bad technique. So he's definitely interesting to watch. That's why I'm putting up 60 plays of him now. Um, that's why I'm dedicating a whole show to him by himself. But for the people, oh, well, you know, a guy like uh, John Toth or a guy like, uh, you know, uh, Tom Compton might replace him. I don't think that's the case because Winter's highs are, are, are too high to replace him for, for a backup. I'm really hoping that a guy like Pollock can string together more of that really high technique because if he does, he could be an above average guy. I think now he's around average, maybe a little bit uh, below average just because of how, like I said, high, how high the highs are, how low the lows are. But um, for he, he's probably, I think he's the second best Jets offensive lineman right now where I did not think that before reviewing the film, but after watching the film, I was more impressed than obviously before. Um, where before I was like, okay, you know, this is before a guy like uh, Osemele came. You know, I thought Beecham was the best offensive line, but I think for la- last year that 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 uh, Winters was. So he's definitely a polarizing guy. Really, really interesting. Like case study. I'm really uh, kind of intrigued to see what the Jets will be doing with him this year and if he's more consistent um, because he has the athleticism, he has the aggressiveness. He's kind of like Harrison, where you know he doesn't have the power um, that other guards do, but he has the athleticism to get to the second level. Um, he has the want to, um, and like I said, those highs are so high. It's so interesting. So you think there's a good chance that Frank Pollock can help elevate him in a way that he most likely can't with Brandon Shell? Yeah, yeah, because Shell has never displayed great technique, and his his, his technique is so consistently bad. He doesn't have those highs where if you're if you're showing me those highs on those plays, I know you can do it. I've seen it before. Um, with a guy like Winters, so uh, he just needs to string it more consistently. Where Shell is just so wildly inconsistent, so frequently, I just don't think he's ever be able to, going to be able to just completely change his technique. Where he doesn't ever show me super high highs. So, um, like I said, Winters is definitely intriguing. I think that a guy like Pollock can can help him um, with his technique, be more consistent. And you know, Winters, I, I wish Pollock got with him when he was you know twenty five years old. I, I'm Winters is what twenty nine, thirty now, whatever. He's he's getting up there in age. He's been with the Jets for a decent amount of time. Um, so. 
Um, he's not catching him in his prime, but offensive linemen also can be good in, in, into their mid thirties or even late thirties. Look what Andrew Whitworth is doing right now at 37 years old. So um, I, I think that Winters could be looking at another contract. I don't think he's going to be a guy who's going to be a top uh, paid offensive lineman, but I think he's a guy who can develop into a more, um, you know, average, more consistent right guard for the Jets, and that's that's fine for what the Jets have right now. Listen, if if in two years they have an average right guard, uh, still a solid left guard, they replace you know let's say the the, the two tackles with decent to solid guys, and they have like a Pro Bowl center, and then you're looking at a offensive line um, with Brian Winters on it. That that's that's good to to very solid. So um, I think he could be a piece on a good offensive line. He's never going to be like a you know like a Zach Martin or Quentin Nelson at left guard type player, um, but I do think he could definitely be be average and show uh, flashes of, of above average play it's just all about consistency with him for sure hey guys this is greg peterson host of the podcast hooping with hoops despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season i'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them keep up with all the transfers in college basketball and so much more you are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Last but not least, let's talk about the newest member of the Jets offensive line because he's the only one of the five that wasn't a Jet last year, and that is Kalechio Semele. Word around town is that he did not have a very good 2018. You looked at his film. I talked about him overall in terms of technique and the entirety of his career with Brandon Thorne. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, you can go into our archives now. I think it's really good. Brandon is one of my favorites to listen to when it comes to offensive linemen. But he did admit that he didn't really dive that deep into the 2018 film. You did. What did you see? Yeah, so Osemele, and they're all like they're all different players. Where Osemele is a guy um, who doesn't have he doesn't have good technique, but he's so damn powerful and so big. He, like you, I know you do all these podcasts, and you guys are obsessed with stupid wrestling, which you'll get back on me about being obsessed with stupid dragons on Game of Thrones. I know, but it's always about royal rumbles and who would win in a fight, and all these questions you guys get on mailbags and. You say assembly, and you can never be wrong with him kicking the crap out of every single person on the Jets if he really wanted to. Um, he's just so physically imposing um, that his technique almost doesn't have to be there. Where he, he flashes some good technique, but it's definitely very inconsistent. Um, it's definitely better than Shell, but it still is very inconsistent. But he, he relies a lot on power, a lot on his length. Um, and just how big he is. So um, even if he doesn't have good technique, he's just such a hard body to move. Where listen, if you get into his chest, it's still going to be hard to push him because of just how naturally powerful he is. He looks like a truck. Like he's just so freaking big um, and athletic in terms of, you know, he's not just power. He's athletic as well. Where a guy like, you know, Carpenter was big. When you saw him at camp, you're like, holy crap, the guy's massive, but he didn't have the athleticism where a guy like Wissemily can move. And he's just, he's a freak in terms of how big he is. So, um, he was a guy in the past who never had great uh, technique really, really ever with shooting wide hands, shooting late, uh, shooting low, and his hands not being on guard like they should be, which is basically just, you know, a lot of offensive line 
you know, coaches teach, um, especially in pass sets where you'll basically into your pass set, you'll roll a tennis ball, you know, at chest level, or some people like to do like the flip the patty, almost like a pizza type deal, but you always want your hands to be around chest level, maybe belly button level and always be ready for, for punches and, and shots and be able to react quickly where a guy like assembly, you'll see his hands come from low way too often or not be ready, not be on guard as they call, it, you know, air quotes on guard is how I refer to it. Um, so the technique is, is not always, um, there, but even if a guy does, like I said, catch his chest, he's able to, um, get his hands on the shoulders at least and control a guy just because of how physically, um, powerful he is. But the problem with 2018 film was, you know, as compared to 2017, 16, 15, he wasn't playing injured. So he was still so damn powerful and so athletic where it almost didn't matter. Um, whereas in 2018, the first couple of games, you know, listen, the first game he got beat a couple of times by, by Aaron Donald. Um, uh, but he also was single team against Aaron Donald a lot where it was just him versus Aaron Donald. And there was a few plays. I was like, damn, like he really did handle Aaron Donald or move mad this gap or drive him five yards down the field. It was really impressive. But yeah, there was a player or two where he got beat. That's going to happen versus anybody who's single team versus Aaron Donald because he's just a freak who's, who's, uh, really technically sound. So he's going to win. Um, but he looked good in that game. He looked good in the Broncos game for the most part, uh, in the first first part of the season and I'm not necessarily sure when it when the injury happened for him but by that midpoint of the season especially late in the season he wasn't as fast he wasn't as confident in his feet he wasn't as powerful um so when you're taking away the physicality and the power from a guy who's already not technically sound that's why he didn't look good that's why he didn't uh have that high grade um etc but I think if you you know him being healthy now he's going to return to that near pro ball level player because he's healthy and he could he could just physically uh you know, impose his will on you. So um, his injuries clearly affected him in, in 2018. And that's why he really struggled, especially down the stretch, you know, midpoint to down the stretch of the season. So um, I'm excited to watch this guy for sure. He's a, he's a road grader. He sets a tone. People have, have spoken about before. You've seen guys move out of his way in the second level. You see assembly, um, even last year, I think it was against the Cardinals. Um, they were running to the right side and he's, 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 it's a power play and he's going to kick out, uh, actually, it might have been a counter play where he was kicking out, but regardless, he was kicking out the the end man in the line of scrimmage um, away from him, and the guy tries to plant and basically, you know, um, squeeze the run where he's going to try to set that he- that that hard jet or hard edge and make the running back cut in <clears throat> instead of like spilling the run where he would, you know, step inside, uh, force the running back to cut outside as he's going to try to penetrate through that interior gap. He kind of just tried to stand his ground versus assembly, which was not a good idea. And assembly just lifts him off his feet like immediately. So it was really, really um, impressive where, like I said, if you have him moving to the second level, um, pulling, he is guys are going to move out of his way. It's it, it's shown up on film before guys lighten up and they try to use more athleticism versus him because trying to go head to head with Osemele is never a good idea. So he's definitely going to be a fun player to watch. You're going to see him truck over some guys um, both in, in pass sets, both in the run sets this year. So uh, he's a huge addition for this offensive line for sure. Joe, a lot of times when you're playing fantasy football, you look for bargain picks, guys that are really good players that maybe had a down year and you're betting on a bounce back. It sounds like Coleccio Semele would be that type of player if you drafted offensive linemen in fantasy drafts. You don't, but you do draft quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers, all of whom you can draft when you play with the draft app and draft.com. Their best ball championship offers a grand prize of $3.5 million, and you can get a free crack at it when you use the promo code PLAYLIKE, that's PLAYLIKE, P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E, 
when you make your first deposit. And if that wasn't enough motivation for you to play, I don't know why it wouldn't be, here's some more motivation. It's an easy snake draft. You don't have to worry about complicated stuff like salary caps and auctions, and you don't have to maintain the roster. You make your picks, and they will take care of the maintenance the whole year. They'll make sure that your best players are playing every single week. Again, all you have to do is make your first deposit and use the promo code PLAYLIKE, that's P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E, and you will have a free shot at that $3.5 million with the Draft app and Draft.com. And Joe, while we established that Coleccio Semele would not be a player you could draft because you don't draft offensive linemen, as I said, you do look for bounce-back candidates. Do you think that Coleccio Semele is a bounce-back candidate? Do you think that working with Frank Pollock, he could be able to get back to anywhere near what he was before his down year last year? Um, so, so he's he's interesting in terms of you're talking about um, the, the fit in, in Pollock's scheme because Pollock is more of a zone based coach, and while Osemele is a he can move, he's he's obviously more powerful than he is, you know, athletic. Where I said for his for his size, he is athletic, but obviously with the traits I just talked about, him being a road grader, you want him to be a guy on power more. You want him to be on isolation blocks where it's me versus you. I'm trying to push you out of the way instead of a zone play um, specifically, you know, more of outside zone, mid zone, wide zone, where it's more about athleticism and, and getting in front of guys instead of physically moving guys. Um, so he's not the best fit for a zone scheme. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how they'll use him. I still think he could be decent in a zone scheme, but I think you put him in, in a man blocking scheme, a uh, power scheme, counter scheme, where he's just acts like I said, uh, you versus me, that's all it is. Instead of having to process more, having to pass guys off, having to cover gaps, I don't think he's as good. So it's going to be interesting to see how they use him. Um, but I think I think that is a reason why why you've heard him talk about cutting some weight, and he's playing at a lot lighter weight than he did with the with the Ravens and with the Raiders because he's going to be asked to move a little bit more. So I actually don't think it's the perfect fit for him. Um, where with the other guys, with Harrison's more of a mover, you know, Shell's more of a mover, Beecham's more of a mover. Um, you know, the other four guys, I I I missed one guy there. I don't know which one's on name, but the other four guys in the offensive line are more movers, where Assembly is more of a power guy. So, um, it's not it, no scheme is okay. They're going to run inside zone and outside zone only, so they're going to run traps where he'll he'll pass up on the three tech and then move to the second level, um, to to you know uh, to move a linebacker or he'll you know, run power or a whole run up a pin and fold where basically he's just going to move one gap over. So it's, it's basically like a shortened pull or he'll run pulls or he'll kick out the, the email, the end man on the line on the opposite side. Or, you know, maybe you have a guy like Beecham who moves into the second level and he has to kick out the end man on the line on his side of the line of scrimmage. There'll be plays where he's, he's asked to use more man blocking and power. Uh, there's no offense that just runs zone strictly or just man strictly or just power strictly. Um, so he'll be asked to do that some, but, not as much as for just him it should be, but uh, it'll happen enough where you'll see it. But the zone scheme is actually not the best fit for him, in my opinion. Interesting, and certainly something that a lot of people aren't talking about, but they should be. And this is exactly why they need to watch your show, Joe, because if they did, they would know all about the strengths and weaknesses of not just the Semele, but everybody on the line and how they're going to fit in with what Frank Pollock is going to want to do in 2019. This is an interesting group for some reasons that are good and some reasons that are bad. It has the potential to be an okay offensive line, but also the potential to be a terrible offensive line. Going to be a bit of a roller coaster ride, so I guess we should just keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best. But if you want to see 
all of the pertinent details that you need to know, make sure you head over to the YouTube channel. And Joe, what is that YouTube channel? TOJ Space Film Space Room. And um, obviously, this is like the when we talk about the accidental quick, it's like people try to get a general feel. But when I get to really break it down and we get to talk about the footwork and all, you know, I think his footwork, his feet were a little bit too big right here or, or too little, or a little wide here or he should have took an extra step or he should have taken smaller steps or he should have shot this hand or I don't know why instead of, you know, shooting a straight hand, he didn't shoot his hooks underneath because he knew the guy was bull rushing. We break that all down on film. So this is like the super dumbed ver- or dumbed down version of it where I can't really speak about specific plays because I'm not Sean McVay. I can't, you know, oh, this play did this and he should have done that. Where if you come and watch the film um, on the show, we really get to break it down or I really get to break it down. I have guys like Kyle Smith, who's another uh, film guy for the Jets on. We just did Leonard Williams and Jordan Jenkins on the show, which in my opinion, if you haven't checked that out, do because we dispelled a lot of, you know, either good or bad things about Leonard Williams and Jordan Jenkins. We had a lot of discussions about stats and how that comes into play. How good is Leonard Williams or how good is he not? Is he overvalued? Is he undervalued? Jordan Jenkins, some interesting things about his technique. And I always talk about on here, um, or I think I've talked about it on here hear him stacking his moves and what his strengths are now and what moves he developed under whatever, uh, you know, rusher, uh, coach that he had in the off season. So that was a really interesting show, but, uh, definitely check it out. It's, it's, if you want to learn about film and learn about why guys are good or bad and just, instead of just saying, Oh, he's good because he's bad because of inconsistent technique. Okay. What plays specifically, what was he showing? Um, we get to get more into that nitty gritty. So it's definitely a fun show. If you, if you want to actually like really legitimately know about, what guys do, what goes into plays, what goes into schemes, what goes into concepts, and just saying, oh, he's bad or he's good. Like, that's that's so elementary to me. Uh, so I, I would definitely advise checking it out. Go ahead and follow Joe on Twitter, at JoeRB31. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn On The Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.